You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Ariel Fisher. Hello. Thanks for Ariel. having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's your first time on the show. Welcome. Um, so for people who, you know, if they're not reading SlashFilm.com and don't know your work from there, uh, you're also the managing editor at Fangoria. I assume that means you have a, uh, a uh, what, what would you say, a, a penchant for horror movies. So like just, you know, for, for listeners who may not know, uh, immediately recognize your name, what kind of stuff are you into? What kind of movies do you like watching? What's your sort of uh, media diet look like these days? Well, my media diet is appropriately as ADHD as my brain, and it is widely varied, but it does include some horror. It has included horror for a very, very long time. But also, like, one of my all-time favorite movies is The Age of Innocence, and also Jaws, and also When Harry Met Sally. So it's really anybody's guess, <laughs> depending on the day of the week. But uh, I, yeah, I am the uh, managing editor at F uh, Fangoria Magazine. Angel Melanson takes care of the website and does an incredible job of it every single day. Um, and yeah, I, I, uh, 
Oh, well, I know right now there's, you know, Shudder's getting some new titles that are pretty extreme in terms of horror. So if anybody's interested in, you know, controversial titles like The Sadness, by all means, go and check that out. But, you know, tread lightly. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, uh, we are not going to tread lightly. We're going to jump right <laughs> into the news here. Um, not a ton of, of like huge, you know, uh, ground shaking stuff to discuss today, but um, some things that I found interesting enough. So um, Avatar, The Way of Water, the trailer, the first day views for this trailer were tallied on YouTube. And this, I think that the final number was 148.6 million views in its first 24 hours. Um, so I guess in terms of uh, comparisons for other big teasers for big franchises, uh, F9, the Fast Saga, was like 202 million. So that was significantly higher. Um, Black Widow was 116 million. Um, Rise of Skywalker was 112 million. So uh, the fact that this was you know well above not only Rise of Skywalker, but every one of the, the recent Star Wars films in terms of its first 24 hours shows that, uh, you know, people out there in the real world, not on in the film Twitter bubble, actually are curious, at least, about what Avatar 2 looks like. I mean, this is a movie that we've been talking about for over a decade at this point, and, and there's been a lot of uh, you know fun poked at the fact that this movie has taken forever to come out. Um, there's been a lot of, uh, I think, derision from some corners of the, of the uh, community about mm. what we can expect from this movie. So, um, you know, Ariel, I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to sort of take your temperature on like where you stand on Avatar. What are you are you looking forward to this new movie? What was your relationship with the first one? What what, what are your Avatar Avatar thoughts? Well, I mean, I I enjoyed the first one. I do think it was painfully derivative because it is um, <laughs> of both James Cameron's work and of other people's work. It is you know that age old story that of you know the white savior that comes into kind of save an indigenous tribe. It's very Dances with Wolves. It's very, you know, Disneyfied Pocahontas kind of mm -hmm. idea only without, well, no, still with the romance. But um, it had, I, I mean, I'm not horribly surprised that it's doing numbers the way that it is in terms of like how many people have watched the trailer and things like that. There has been a huge invested interest in Avatar since the first film and for the last 13 years, which blows my mind that it's been that long. But I'm not at all shocked. <laughs> James Cameron tends to draw a very big crowd pretty much no matter what. He is responsible for some of the biggest franchises in cinema history and or at least some of the best entries in cinema history. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, with that comes a lot of investment and there was a whole lot of investment around uh, the first Avatar film because of people who wanted to escape to, I don't even remember the name of the planet. Pandora. It's been that long. Pandora. Thank you. Yeah. With unobtainium. That one I remember and that <laughs> oh, one yeah. I remember laughing at. But <laughs> so what did you think about this trailer itself? The trailer is, it's very nondescript. Like it's, it doesn't communicate a lot in terms of plot. It's kind of hard. You know, these are characters that we haven't seen in 13 years and obviously some brand new characters. And some of them are kind of hard to tell, tell apart, especially since it's been 13 years. So mm -hmm. there have been some changes. So it's kind of, it kind of leaves you guessing, wait, is that so-and-so or is that so-and-so and how have they aged and what's happened? But the, I mean, it, James Cameron's in, in fine form in terms of, 
his incredible attention to detail with uh, computer graphics and all of that. The animation in that is outstanding. Um, not that any of us, I think, could expect any less. Right. Uh, it'll be nice to see something that shows us a little bit more plot. Yeah. Uh, that isn't just, you know, creative, beautiful snippets. But in the meantime, it is beautiful. And it definitely, it mostly, honestly, what it makes me think of more than anything else is it makes me think of uh, the video game Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And it makes me wish that Avatar was a video game because I would play that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely has that vibe. And like you said, like there's almost no plot information in this in this teaser. So um, I, I was just, I found myself surprised that this was the first look at this movie after such a huge buildup. I expected there to be something more, um, I don't know, bombastic in terms of the visuals or at least like set pieces that where characters were doing things that we'd never quite seen them do in like huge ways to be like, uh, uh, for the for the teaser to feel like, hey, this is a statement teaser of like, you know, this is the biggest movie of all time coming back um, into your life in a huge way. And it felt like they were more like, here, quietly open the door and let Avatar mm-hmm. 2 back into your world. You know, it was very like calm and serene, which I guess, I mean, that's an approach certainly. Um, and and we'll see. It's certainly like, you know, it's, it's resulting in <laughs> a lot of views, but I, oh, I'm yeah. curious, you know, what the... Uh, and and I think this movie is going to be a success no matter what, just because there's so much curiosity there. I'm just curious mm-hmm. like what the actual response is going to be to the movie itself once we finally see that. And then whether or not people are going to have an appetite for Avatars, uh, what is it, three through five, which are sort of mm-hmm. on deck for, <laughs> for coming up right after this. So, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's it, it actually like because the animation and everything really does give us a lot of material like it is very subtle and it's a lot of these small things but i think we've come to expect like the fast and the furious of everything Mm -hmm. where we're getting these bombastic things where you know you've never seen action like this like sam neill says in the featurette for uh jurassic world dominion i think is that the newest one that's coming Mm -hmm. up dominion yeah so (laughs) i can never keep them straight now i don't know why but it we expect something like that and these kind of throwaway lines of you've never seen anything like this and you know trailer voice guy who does all of this stuff and that's never been what james cameron has subscribed to he's always been more about like the subtle things and it is still a very big teaser like it's long for a teaser trailer it's giving us a lot of material it's just giving Mm -hmm. us material devoid of context so it's wetting the palate it's wetting the appetite and hopefully it's you know, hopefully we, hopefully it lives up to the hype because it's got 13 years of buildup behind it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So something that didn't necessarily have a ton of hype when it came out was the 2018, uh, crime comedy thriller, a simple favor. And this movie is getting a sequel now. Um, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively are going to come back. They were the stars of the original movie. Uh, Paul Feig, who directed the first film is also going to be back to direct this Jessica Scharzer, who wrote the first movie based on uh, Darcy Bell's 2017 novel is also coming back to write the script. So we don't really know what this movie is going to be about, but, uh, there's there's a new simple favor movie coming, which kind of took a lot of us by surprise when this news uh, dropped earlier today. Um, yeah, <laughs> w- w- I know that for a lot of people, Ariel, this movie is like a. Uh, I mean, to call it like a religion is too far, but there are a lot of people who like <laughs> full on love this movie in a way that um, that I find really uh, amusing and endearing. I don't necessarily have that relationship to this movie. I watched it once, enjoyed it at the time, and 
haven't really thought about it again, but there are people who, uh, you know, who live the life of a simple favor. Um, are you one of those people? What do you think about a sequel? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I am sort of one of those people who, you know, praise at the altar of a simple favor, uh, but not quite as fanatically as all that, but it's, <laughs> um, no, it, oh my God, it's so much fun. And I keep meaning to rewatch it anyways because i've seen it like two or three times at this point but i i don't know how they're gonna make a sequel and honestly i don't care i'm in like i saw <laughs> i saw the news i was you know uh, my husband was like oh this is right up your alley and just told me that this was going on because i was in the kitchen making myself a cup of coffee and immediately i was just like ha ha ha, ha. yes <laughs> this is wonderful and excellent and i'm very excited for it and especially because it's you know presumably got a bit more support behind it because now it has its fan base this yeah. is gonna be good this, this is gonna be good it's gonna be some some queer mystery nonsense i'm very excited yes i i don't want to even really um so in our article, uh, Sandy Schaefer wrote the article about the news and, and speculates a little bit about what this movie might be like. Um, and I enjoyed Sandy's speculation. I don't want to repeat it on this episode in case people haven't seen the first movie the first yet, one. because that first yeah. film is so is so much of a mystery. Um, and the, the character dynamics are so interesting there that I don't want to, you know, inadvertently reveal anything about what might happen in that first movie, because like I said, it's kind of a small film and, and hopefully the news of the sequel will inspire people to go back and watch that first movie. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, more people watching that first film is a, is a good thing. So um, hopefully this will drive more people to, to go check that out. And then I would encourage people to uh, read Sandy's article because um, I enjoyed that, that speculation there. So uh, oh, it was great. His speculation was spot on. Yes. Okay. So um, the guest two, Ariel, uh, <laughs> this is something that um, on, on April Fool's Day this year, uh, Keith Calder, who was the producer of uh, this, this movie called The Guest that came out in 2014, Adam Wingard directed it, starred Dan Stevens um, and, and Micah Monroe. Uh, the Guest came out, did well enough for a, you know, sort of a small indie thriller, um, established a, uh, I guess, a, almost like a cult following pretty quickly, but it's a pretty small movie. And then mm -hmm. uh, April Fool's Day of this year, Keith Calder, the the producer, announced that there was going to be an official soundtrack for The Guest 2, a movie that does not exist, uh, which was, you know, kind of a, we thought, uh, a, uh, a humorous joke, but it turned out they actually like put work into creating a literal soundtrack. So you can actually go and buy that thing. That is a, a physical thing that you can purchase and, and have and listen to. Um, which was, yeah, again, you know, a little bit beyond just a typical April Fool's Day joke. And now, interestingly enough, Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, who uh, are the sort of uh, writer-producer team, I guess, like, uh, I don't remember if, if Wingard um, co-wrote the first movie or if Simon Barrett was just the, the sole writer on that. But in any case, they, they are producing partners that work together a lot. Uh, and now they have basically seen the reaction to that fake um that soundtrack to this fake sequel and that inspired them to actually uh, start working or developing a real version of the guest too. So Adam Wingard said, it's really pushed me and Simon Barrett into a creative headspace. We're talking about developing a potential sequel as a real project. 
And then uh, Barrett on Twitter said, this is true. I'll admit the response to the soundtrack surprised me. I think we've finally landed on an idea that excites us and wouldn't disappoint everyone, but it won't be soon. Lots to work on first. So um, I think for for those people, again, sort of like a simple favor, the uh, the vocal, small, um, dedicated fan base of the guest. <laughs> I think this is something that people have been wanting to, to see for a long time. It sounds like there's still a long time left until it'll actually come to life. But um, what do you think about this, Ariel? Oh yeah, like this. There's a huge fan base for the guest. Um, <laughs> it's a good day for queer coded content. Lots of bisexual lighting in the guest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very much in that vein. Uh, but the soundtrack was also such a pivotal part of the movie, and it became. It's actually a, a huge part of why it developed such a cult following. That and watching uh, Dan Stevens. Um, carry two kegs of beer at the same time and, you know, be shirtless and not in Downton Abbey. So it was very, it, yeah, there was a lot happening there. That was yeah, that, really the, wonderful. The, um, the first soundtrack was kind of like, uh, you know, it had this sort of like pulsing, like almost um, synthy, kind of like a drive, like Nicholas Winding Refn's drive. It was sort of like mm-hmm. on the heels of that and and sort of in that same family, I would I would classify it as. Um, so, so yeah, it had like a, a big, um, yeah, that, that soundtrack was a big hit on its own and it certainly contributed to like the, the vibes of, uh, of the guests. So I don't know, this oh, is yeah. not a movie that I have like revisited a bunch of times. I think I saw it once, maybe twice and, and enjoyed it enough, you know, when it came out, but, um, like a simple favor, like to hear that the same people might be, um, interested in coming back and, and putting the band back together again. I'm intrigued, uh, you know, since everything is like sequels and ip and whatever these days like if we're gonna do that if we're gonna live in that world we might as well like tap into some of these things that we enjoyed the first entry of and uh these sort of smaller things and not have um you know every single thing be like a a gigantic uh uh, franchise that's just picked apart from every conceivable angle so yeah bring on more adaptations and and follow-ups to like these smaller movies i say i think the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is that it's a sequel that's based on a joke like that. It's a sequel that's based on a, a soundtrack as a, well, I mean, s- smaller things have turned into bigger things because they started <laughs> as a soundtrack and BJ Colangelo can talk to that one a lot. But uh, just in terms of this, I guess my concern is that it's going to wind up like a baby driver, which I loathed because mm. it's going to be solely rooted in the music without a, enough substance behind it. In my opinion, I know that she stands alone here. A lot of people love that movie. I am not one of them. Okay. But I, you know, it, I always compare it to your next because they're from the same team mm-hmm. and they're totally different films, but I used to love your next and thought that the guest was okay. But on recent rewatch, your next is still solid. It's still fun as hell. But I'm wondering if I might enjoy the guest a little bit more and then maybe have more faith in what a sequel could do. So yeah. if anything, this is a good opportunity for people to go back and rewatch the guest because you never need a reason, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I, I went back and rewatched uh, your next uh, recently within the past, I don't know, six months or a year. Um for the first time since I saw the movie in, in theaters in 2011 and it didn't quite hold up as well as I wanted it to. So maybe mm-hmm. I should uh, take this opportunity to rewatch the guest and hopefully, um, yeah, it'll be uh, inspiring for, um, 
for this potential sequel. He also, uh, I should mention, um, Adam Wingard said, maybe the more interesting thing isn't doing a sequel to The Guest. Maybe it's doing a limited series, something we could really sink our teeth into. So That um, would be amazing. Yeah, that's on the table there as well. So we'll see what form this takes and, and when. But um, according to Barrett, it sounds like they have a lot on their plate uh, in, in the meantime. So, um, okay. Let's move on to our next item here, which is uh, there's a TV series adaptation of Never Let Me Go coming to FX. Um, I'm guessing that most people listening to this episode have not seen the 2010 movie adaptation of Never Let Me Go because that movie was uh, was not particularly well received in its time in terms of just like it was a very small movie. I think it was actually mm-hmm. like... Uh, critics enjoyed it at the time, yeah. if I recall correctly, but it was not one that like broke through to the mainstream. Um, the no. cast of that movie is uh, is really great. Carrie Mulligan, Kiara Knightley, um, Andrew Garfield were in it. It's this really um, sort of small scale sci-fi drama that really packs an emotional punch. Um, Alex Garland, who uh, wrote and directed movies like Ex Machina and Annihilation, was responsible for um, for, for that film as well. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, um, what do you think about, uh, and never let me go show is this, uh, were were you a fan of that first movie when it came out and what do you think about sort of stepping back into that world again in, uh, in 2022? Well, I, I think I'd only seen the film once and probably around the time it was released. So I need to rewatch it. I, I have not read the source material. Um, though it's one of those books that's kind of been on, you know, my list you know, I say with air quotes because, you know, clearly this is an auditory medium and you can see my air quotes. Um, but, uh, I, I remember it being really bleak and really depressing, but also very poignant and Mm -hmm. really important. And I think we're getting into that phase now of the pandemic and of, you know, pandemic life and potentially endemic life, depending on, you know, how things progress over the next several months, where we're moving kind of away from pure escapist cinema. Like we started with kind of the uh, kind of self-referential kind of content, like things like host that were very much a product of the pandemic and kind of like in the golden age of Hollywood where we got escapist cinema, where we were getting things like, you know, the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers films that were just designed to kind of lift people's spirits so that they didn't have to think about the war that was going on. So there's lots of bombastic kind of escapist cinema that's been happening, but now I think we're starting to get, you know, people are being a little less afraid of just addressing things head on and being a bit more serious. Those films that were made and those projects that were made before the pandemic that were put off for one, two years or so are getting their release. So now we're starting to see other stuff get greenlit, like Never Let Me Go, mm-hmm. which is this, like, oh, it's so bleak for right now. It's so bleak, <laughs> yeah, but it has I, its place. Yeah, I, I find myself thinking the same thing. And and I have not seen the TV adaptation of Station Eleven yet. Um, I know that people were raving about that. And yep. I, I just read the book, um, so I'm excited to, to dive into the show. But um, it, it sort of seems like it's in the same family to me, like that that idea of like uh, what you're talking about, of like confronting this sort of story almost head on and um, just grappling with a different type of um, of entertainment. Um, this is <laughs> this is not a crowd pleasing story. Never let no. me know. Um, but it also is like a great opportunity for um, 
I should shout out the director of the movie, Mark Romanek, um, who has directed like one hour photo and um, there's a ton of music videos. Um, but th- that was the movie that sort of like put him on my radar in a big way. Um, and so the idea of like handing this property to another um, up and coming filmmaker and casting with, I mean, as that the cast of that first movie uh, established, if you get the right people in these roles, this could be a really, really powerful piece of storytelling. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case here. Um, yeah. Whether or not it ends up being a little bit too bleak for the current a, uh, age or, or the current uh, audience remains to be seen, I guess. But um, The hope is that it's not like the Miss TV series. Hopefully they don't, you know, ruin it. Just <clears throat> don't have it be a figment of its former self. The adaptation was really well regarded. Just do it justice. Yes. All right. So our final story here involves uh, Star Wars and Kevin Feige, who is the president of Marvel, is making a Star Wars movie. Um, I think this announcement came out like a couple years ago, and we have not really heard anything concrete about that film since. We know that Michael Waldron, who wrote the up- or the uh, the recent uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie, uh, is writing the screenplay, and that's pretty much it. So um, when... Uh, Waldron was promoting Doctor Strange. He was speaking with Variety and they asked him about this Star Wars movie. He said, we're finally into it in earnest. I mean, I'm writing away. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying having the freedom on that to do something that's not necessarily a sequel or anything. It just doesn't have a bunch of TV shows and movies that you're servicing on top of it the way I did with Doctor Strange. So it's nice. It feels like a different exercise. Um, so that that quote is kind of the first real like peek behind the curtain in that we've gotten in terms of like what this uh, story could be. Um, So for me, I'm sure our listeners are probably tired of hearing me talk about how much I want Star Wars (laughs) to sort of go beyond the Skywalker saga and like just strike out into new territory because that universe is so vast and blah, 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 blah. We've had this conversation a million times. Um, But I don't know if I've ever spoken with you, Ariel, about, about Star Wars and like what are your favorite types of Star Wars stories and what do you hope to see now that the Skywalker saga is fully wrapped up? Um, do you care about the the TV shows right now? Like what's, what's your uh, Star Wars take right now? Well, Ben, you see, <laughs> the listeners are basically going to get the same spiel that they usually get, I think, because <laughs> I tend to be in the same school of thought as you and, you know, Probably two of my favorite Star Wars movies are Rogue One and The Last Jedi. So I, I a lot of folks probably going to be angry with me. Frankly, I don't care. I'm mad. <laughs> but um, I, I'm, I thought that The Last Jedi did something that we were all desperately waiting for, which was something fresh and new, like the original trilogy. Like the original trilogy was fresh. It was new. It it was the first of its kind. Like it didn't, there's no other place to go from there. So continuing to just regurgitate the same stories or same versions of the same stories within that tiny little sphere without branching out or trying to expand the universe just seems like a missed opportunity to me. It just makes me think of uh, Ellie's dad in Contact, you know, an awful waste of space. Mm. So it's an awful waste of space. And I, I mean... Faggy's doing a Star Wars. Good for him. I, <laughs> that's probably. I'm not like an avid Star Wars fan, but I've seen all of the movies thus far, and I've seen all of the Mandalorian. I'm excited to watch some of the other new shows. Uh, I still need to watch Book of Boba Fett, or 
you know, Mandalorian or, 2. Or do you? <laughs> I did. That's the question. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for, for more Star Wars stuff. If it has the, if they have the gumption to do something like Ryan Johnson did. Mm-hmm. If they have something to do, if they have the gumption to do something like Rogue One, you know, branch out those stories, give us different vantage points, expand the universe. Don't give us any more prequels for characters we already know. Solo was a disaster. Yeah. And it's just boring. Like, give us something else, something more. Yeah, I, I like the idea behind Rogue One, but even that had a little bit too much connective tissue for me, like the, the how it led directly in and like the Darth Vader of it all and everything. It just sort of like I I'm I want something that maybe Disney will never get us give us, which is just a a purely standalone, uh like brand new Star Wars adventure that has no ties whatsoever to anything that we've seen before. And I know they've kind of talked about stuff like that, like the the Rogue Squadron movie that Patty Jenkins was was mm-hmm. is question mark supposed to be making at some point. Um, yeah. Taika Waititi's new uh, Star Wars movie that's been also in the works for a long time. It's very mysterious, and we don't know enough about that uh, to really say much. But you know, th- there are uh, plenty of opportunities, and especially now that. Uh, Rise of Skywalker is is done and over with, um, you know, for for them to actually finally do this after all of these years. So the idea that Waldron said that, you know, talking about it doesn't have to basically service a bunch of movies and TV shows is exciting to me because I hope that means that this is really going to be finally this this sort of unencumbered thing. Um, and and I feel like that would just be like such a a uh, I don't know, like an obvious way to go, just like do a new thing. And if it fails, yeah. uh, go either go back to what what has worked in the past or go in a different direction. And if it succeeds, then you spin off of the things from there and, and sort of, um, I don't know, uh, uh, capitalize on that um, story in the same way that the uh, prequels and the, the original trilogy was capitalized on. So um, exactly. I don't know. I, I, who am I? You know, I'm just like some guy uh, talking on a podcast. So like, uh, you know, I always feel a little silly being like, this is the obvious thing to do because there are clearly people who are like way smarter than me who are, you know, in those rooms and making those decisions. Uh, But from the outside looking in, Ariel, I'll just say that like, it seems obvious. Uh, So hopefully- I would agree with you though. It is (laughs) obvious. And those people in those rooms have one thing in mind and one thing only, and that's profits. And that's, that is it at the end. Like they want to do, they want to make a profit by the in the best way possible but their goals are clear and don't undersell yourself man we do this for a profession we know our shit and if anyone wants to question that eh, have fun (laughs) all right i think that's going to wrap up everything that we wanted to talk about today um ariel before we go where can people find more of your stuff on the internet can they follow you on twitter do you care about instagram do you have like a podcast of your own that you do i i like to especially for people on their first time um to sort of like give uh listeners an an on-ramp to uh the ariel fisher experience if they want to to uh do that ariel fisher experience oh my god you make me sound so much more interesting than i am (laughs) um (laughs) i am followable on virtually all social media at afis8 a-f-i-s-8 uh and it's AFIS period eight on TikTok because somebody took that from me and I will never live that down. <laughs> but otherwise, I, you know, stuff's everywhere. So you can find me 
pretty much everywhere. I use, I don't have any podcasts currently, although you can still find episodes of uh, a frame apart cast. That was my first podcast uh, with my ex and that one's still available as well as after all a Mary Tyler Moore podcast that I did with my mom for a couple of seasons oh, and then life cool. just got away with us, got away from us, I should say. So hopefully we'll bring that back at some point, but in the meantime, there's at least two seasons of that available. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I would encourage everybody to visit slashfilm.com. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at Slashfilm and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slashfilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts specifically. That would help us out a ton. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.